Hello, everyone, and welcome back to episode number two of Cefesa's official podcast, Service Hero Toolbox. Excited about this episode. It's the first time since I've taken over the show and Nick has taken over the show that we have a special guest coming on. And you all probably know him already. He's uh, infamous across the industry, has been on every podcast known to man, and uh, he's going to bring a ton of value to us today. And so I hope everybody is paying attention. Uh, but Mr. Giener Osgul, welcome to Service Hero Toolbox, and uh, we're excited to get started, man. Thanks, Josh. That's that's quite the intro. Um, infamous, my name, all in the same sentence. So <laughs> I know, and I pronounced it correctly. Yeah, and you did. You did. I'm impressed. Um, uh, hey, just like two seconds on me, um, Giener Osgul. Uh, I'm the president and chief operating officer of Smart Care Equipment Solutions. Been in the industry now for a little over 20 years, actually. Uh, started as a service manager in Chicago 20 years ago, and just like a lot of others in this industry, you have to be become a jack of all trades. So I was a parts guy for a while, a sales guy for a while. Um, but my heart has always been in the service operation side of things. Um, it's where I take joy. Every single time I get a technician call, I, I would literally hang up on other folks to take that call. It's just so much more fun to talk to our technicians <laughs> than it is anyone else. But, um, you know, we're, we're currently, you know, we're a nationwide service provider, uh, an active member of Cefesa, as both of you know, and uh, totally enthused about being here and talking to you guys today. Awesome, man. Well, we're excited to talk to you also. Um, so for the topic of discussion today, the entire show is going to focus around something that I think every service company out there right now, both in Cefesa and out of Cefesa, is uh, is going to be excited to hear about. It's, it's technician development, right? Mm -hmm. Especially in this economic climate that we're seeing, um, technicians coming in, it's just so much more important that we take these guys and we groom them into, you know, these A players that we typically talk about, you know, so that's kind of setting the stage for what we want to talk a little bit about today. Um, so we're going to jump right into it and, mm -hmm. and just kind of get your take high level, you know, of, of what this role of a technician looks like in this day and age and, and, you know, what kind of skill set are we looking to achieve? Yeah. Um, so if you would ask me that question 10 years ago, it was totally different, right? For all of us mm -hmm. today have to be the combination. There's like three skill sets. I like to say, um, as opposed to, you know, before the skill set was all about the diagnosis and repair competency, right? That was what we all looked and focused on, but like the additional competency of the soft skills of managing in front of our technicians who have evolving needs and evolving expectations is a competency. And then technology itself, right? We're all putting some mobile solution in front of them and they're having to manage expectations with customers with portals and filling out work orders different ways. So now not only do they have to be great at the repair itself, they have to be great at managing the customer and great at the technology that enables the first two. So it's a, it's a very complex role. It's getting more complex for the technicians. And, you know, is, is in my conversations with technicians, um, very stressful at times for them, to be quite honest. I mean, they have a lot of passion in that first bucket, you know, like, let me just fix stuff. I'm really good at doing that. But they acknowledge the second two buckets are becoming bigger and a more impactful part of their jobs. Yeah. 
it's a difficult conversation to have. I think I can speak for everyone, you know, uh, when I say that I've seen that in, in my company as well, you know, explaining to these te uh, technicians that have been in the industry for a while that, hey, your job is no longer just to go in, fix the equipment and leave. Your job is to to go in, you know, fix the equipment, abide by all the customer's procedures, whether or not they use a CMMS provider, you've got to get that into, you know, your rotation as well, which brings the technology into it, right? And sooner or later, they're, they're just you know, it's, it's overwhelming, right? So, which is why this development piece is so important. Um, one of the reasons, and, and so that leads me perfectly into the next question. Why else is this, you know, uh, development so important right now? Well, you know, we, we are competing for this talent. Um, first of all, the overall workforce is, um, is slowing down, getting smaller. We all know that it was a problem before the pandemic. It's a, worst problem after the pandemic right and as such you know we're competing with very valuable needs of competent technicians with other industries and other adjacencies automotive electronics there's just so many different areas they can go and get interested in so for us to be able to build differentiation and value and culture into our trade and attract that talent to come to work here is like really important for us and if you're going to build value, then they have to resonate with, you know, not only your organization, you know, the family values or the culture that you're building, but also with what your meaning is of what we do. What, what do we enable in society? They want something more. They want a vision of how we resonate differently. Um, you know, I tell the, you know, just building on that for a second, I had somebody in an elevator a number of weeks ago, I was talking to a customer and they just wanted to joke with me because we were on a long elevator ride for like 30 seconds and they said you know give me your elevator pitch what do you guys do and i said do you like to go to dinner with your family and they're like yeah of course i like going to dinner with my family i go why do you go to dinner with your family well we want to celebrate or i go home from a long business week and i want to like reconnect with my family and it's a nice time for us to all get away and connect and i said great I go, when you're at dinner with your family, do you have something on the menu you typically like? And of course he said, yes. And um, I said, so how do you feel if the server comes back and says, I can't make that today because something's wrong in our kitchen where I can't make that your favorite menu item as you're spending time with your family. And, and they're like, ah, I don't really feel good. Then I have to order something else. It's, it kind of distracts me and takes me away from the whole meaning of being with my family. And I said, that's what we fix. We don't fix the equipment, we fix that experience, right? And there's a lot of meaning in that, right? And, you know, it's interesting. He got off the elevator and he looks at me and he goes, you know, never, no one's ever presented it to me that way. And I said, that's how valuable the work our technicians do is, right? And every customer, there's a similar story, right? It's the, the menu that the nutritionist has to create in a hospital for all the patients and how they work with the doctors in terms of that menu to help them heal faster, right? So when that kettle's down, then they gotta rework the menu and figure out some different nutritional needs. We're fixing that. We're, we're not fixing the kettle, we're fixing the ability for those patients to heal correctly, right? And helping our technicians understand the importance of their work is really important for us. And I, and I you know, it's something I've been talking about a lot more with our technicians recently, right? and driving value to the importance back to them so they see the importance for newer generations of coming into this industry 
and why, why there's so much passion in this industry and why we're so important and relevant. Yeah, dude, that's a good word. I'll say that, um, you know, when you're attracting this talent too, these guys need to know what winning looks like. Uh, talented people want to win. And, you know, just like there's 32 different football teams in the NFL, they all want to win, but they all have a different approach. Right. And, um, you're just trying to tell your story seemingly of, hey, if you match this character, if these values um, are attractive to you, then this is what winning would look like at Smart Care. And I really do think that's how we're going to attract talent from other people who are saying, hey, you're going to come here and you're going to do plumbing. I don't think it, I think we've got a better advantage with the story that you just told in the elevator to attract some really cool people in the coming years. Yeah. And, and look, it's not a stretch in the narrative. It's really what we do. I mean, mm -hmm. if you think about it, that's what we do when when we go to uh, McDonald's and their fryers are down and they can't serve French fries and everything you ever hear about them is about how their French fries are what people go to McDonald's for. You know, we're solving for that customer experience for McDonald's, right? And trying to change the narrative from we fix broken things to our technicians enable outcomes and experiences for our customers and the work that they do is that valuable will change the way we approach and talk to new potential technicians in the future. That's fantastic. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to issue a challenge right now to our listeners, to our audience, you know, to, to listen to what Giener just said, rewind the episode if you have to and challenge yourself to come up with the same style elevator pitch, but framed as a different way to provide value, right? Because that's one of the tangible steps that we can create as an industry to uh, attract the right people and to shift that mindset to, you know, something higher than, hey, we just fix equipment or, hey, we just fix toilets or, you know, whatever it is. I mean, there's a higher purpose here and it's our job as the ones in the industry to bring that to light. So that's my challenge, my first challenge. To listeners, I, I have a feeling this is going to become a thing. So stay tuned. <laughs> it is. <laughs> you know, and, and look, what, what goes with that is what I'll call the meat and potatoes behind that is we got to get really good at training these technicians as they come in. You know, I, our highest turnover rate is in our year one techs. And, and I'm sure I've talked to enough companies in the Cefesa family of industries that they have similar challenges, right? It's you get the new person in the door and how do you get them to feel good about the job to stay. And once they stay that first year, they're here. You know, what we see with the mm -hmm. like turnover rates is in year two on, their turnover rates just drastically drop off. They're incredibly loyal once you get them sol on solid footing after they first start for you. And part of doing that, we also have the headwind of technology has interest with younger generations, right? They're always on their phones. They, they want to feel like technology is a vital part of the job that they do, right? And as we try to attract newer generations into the industry and diversity, to be quite honest, into the industry, we have to make technology a core part of what we do and a core part of the training too, right? We have to give them the tools to deliver a solid customer experience. Like the first time I said, here's our elevator pitch or here's the narrative of what we do in order for them to do that confidently, you know, the same, a one-year tech has to be able to perform the same level of uh, good service as a 20-year tech. And the only way they're going to bridge that is if we take the little notebook that the 20-year tech has in his pocket 
and somehow figure out a way to enable technology to give the one-year tech access to that knowledge, right? And it could be um, there are tools out there like uh, FaceTime, as simple as that, and giving them access to other technicians to talk to and, hey, help me diagnose this remote. It could be as sophisticated as using data to drive some level of, you know, helping them with steps of diagnosis and repair. But somewhere in there, depending on where a company is in their own journey, if we're really going to bring talent in, uh, newer talent, we have to make technology part of our, our value offering to them to attract them in. This is how we use technology to help you do your job better and how we think progressively about the industry and moving it forward. Yeah, and I'll say yeah. that uh, your um, one of your teammates over there at Smart Care, Mr. Robert Harris, is uh, kind of a, a thought leader on the board right now in regards to creating a tech pathway. Um, you hire the right guy, obviously stay into the culture. He's going to be there. All right, how do we help this person become the best version of themselves in the role that they sit in in our organization? And he's really squeezing us to come up with a practical way to develop that, not only as an association, so that how do we partner with it, but also to hand to our member companies to say, here's here's the blueprint. Here's how you do. Here's the four stages of development. Um, and that's that's really encouraging to, to have him around speaking into those things as well, because Robert's an asset, man. He's a great guy. Yeah, totally agree. And, you know, we we have pushed ourselves internally on how are we look, our our challenge is unique, but it's a representation of the challenge of the industry at large, too, right? I, I agree. Just because we're a, a large-scale organization, the amount of techs we have to hire every year is just gets bigger and bigger. But the the industry also have that same problem, right? Whether it be one company or 100 companies, you all have to hire the same amount of technicians, right? And our challenges aren't unique to smart care. They're challenges that are are for the entirety of the industry that we have to solve for. And if we can bring visibility to the industry via, you know, better optics socially and what we do and what value we offer our customers and those experiences, and we show technicians that we're moving to more of a progressive approach with technology, we will attract talent into the industry that we don't today, right? I'm confident about that. Mm -hmm. And to be quite frank, we'll bring visibility to an industry that's been lacking visibility and um, and respect for many many years. Yeah, you know, we just Preach. we we need to bring that respect and visibility to this industry in general. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you guys know me, right? I mean, you know, I I want these industries to be on a pedestal, right? And 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 I want to bring honor and reverence back. You know, which is. You know, one of the reasons I agreed to do this podcast, Nick, you know, mm -hmm. so we can we we can help with this. So you had mentioned that um, the highest turnover that you see is in year one, mm -hmm. uh, you know, which I think that that's a big takeaway for the audience because we can we can learn from this. Right. Um, so one of my first questions here is, why do you think that turnover is so high in year one? And I'm going to have a follow up question to that. But I want to hear your answer first. Um. Yeah, a combination of things. Like, do I think a little bit of the interviewing has to improve? Yes. Like, I'll just, I'll hold that. Um, I think the bigger problem is as we onboard the technician, once we hire them, the experience of just putting them in a truck with someone else and saying, hey, go right along and all this will, through osmosis, you'll become a good technician in the industry, just doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't no. work. We're all guilty of that too, huh? Uh, <laughs> 
you know, and, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, look, this isn't salt water going into fresh water. This isn't the, you know, doesn't work that way. Um, and we're expecting these guys two weeks in, we give them a tool bag and we say, Hey, go fix a combi oven. And it's like, yeah, okay. Some of them get lucky and do a really good job. And I want to give the, the listeners credit for that. Right. But most of them are like, damn it, give me the right tools. And tools here aren't physical tools. Yes, some of that might be physical tools, but tools here are, give me a little bit of experience to understand what you're expecting me to go do. And we don't build, um, I've challenged our team internally, to be really frank this year, to build an onboarding process that really takes the technician through uh, a number of months, let's just say, after we hire them, uh, not only learning the culture of the business, the culture of their team, how to use the applications, but more importantly, like where do we want them to start on the work trajectory and where do we want them to end, right? And then at the end of that, how do we assess mm -hmm. them to say, here's what they're good at so we can lean in on that and what they need work on, we build a path to train them on, right? So you don't put them in front of a, some native pieces of equipment and they're just like, what am I doing here, right? And, and you get enough of that if you're a year one tech, you do that two, three, four times. You're like, I'm not doing this. This isn't for me. Yeah. This customer is yelling at me over my shoulder because I don't know what the hell I'm doing, even though I'm telling them I know what I'm doing. Um, and I get, I get that enough and I figure out this isn't the right industry for them. And, and it's a travesty because some of them could be really good techs for us. We just haven't given them the opportunity to be successful. I'm, I'm going to play the part real quick of a, a, a really small company, right, that are, that's coming up in the ranks. And they're going to look at you, Giener, and they're going to say, well, how am I supposed to make this investment mm -hmm. as a small company? How am I supposed to, you know, invest in months of training, yep. you know, for, for somebody like this? You know, where, how, how do I do that? Yeah. So I will say the, the P&L um, problem you're referencing is the same in a big company as a small company. If you look at your turnover churn, the cost of five techs turn over you a turnover on you in a year versus the cost of just, you know, and what you're really trying to do is fill two spots. Let's just say with that turnover versus hiring those two guys earlier in the year and investing in their training and onboarding and just keeping them and not having the three incremental costs of turnover like recruiting and that churn offsets itself. Yeah, and what you yeah. get is a more loyal, uh, employee technician at the end of it anyway. So I would just say the PL is really a push. You have to get yourself, you have to step out and really be critical of how much money you're spending on all that churn anyway, and say, if I slow down the churn and this is a push, right? Don't, don't be ambitious to try to say, I'm going to save money by doing better training. Just say it's a push on your PL. But what I create is more loyal technicians in the long run. Absolutely. And and I want to just clarify that, right, for, for any any company that's listening that is smaller, because I chose to use smaller companies for a reason, mm -hmm. you know, and that's exactly the answer I was hoping you were going to give. I know you a little bit, Keener. Thank goodness for that. But, uh, um, you know, it, this is important because sometimes those smaller companies, five, six technicians, they haven't experienced that turnover like some of the larger or, or longer tenured companies have. Right. So they don't exactly know what that impact is. So I want you to listen carefully to what Giener just said and understand that that's coming from experience. Right. And as you continue to grow your company, this is going to become more and more evident. So if you heed this advice now 
and begin developing and training these technicians now, that's a, a huge expense that you can avoid in the future that several of us, probably all of us on this call didn't have the luxury of avoiding. Yeah. Right. So uh, really, really great information there, Gainer. Thank you. Yeah, I'd say the other thing for smaller companies, we all have the same problem in, in capacity today, in today's environment. We all say, if I only had X more technicians, I'd have X more business, yeah. right? It's a comment we all make, the numbers you can plug, depending on how big or small you are, right? So the thought there is, like, the, unwrap yourself from the hypocrisy of that statement to say, I don't want to hire anybody, but I have this problem where I, I have more business than I can handle. Well, you know, Take this investment of hiring someone now to unlock the business that you have waiting for you, right? If you have conviction that that business is real and there's mm -hmm. a need for your customers, then investing in technicians now will pay off really, really quickly right after he's ready to go. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So we talked about, you know, the importance of, of you know, the, the interviewing, the onboarding, you know, one of the things that uh, that I've identified and, and, you know, you can confirm or deny if you've seen the same thing is, you know, that one of the indicators of uh, a, a great technician or a potential A player, as, as you know, we call them, right, is uh, the ability to be teachable. Mm. And so... I'm wondering from you, what identifying factors should we look for in a technician to indicate that they have this teachable switch, if you will? When, um, when, I, when I used to interview technicians, I always start with that because it's hard to relay everyone else's experience, but I, I can relay mine. I would always talk about um, with a technician, like, what does is, what is he like to do? Tell me your, just give me a little bit of your life story. Like, just let them download. Um, and what you, if you start to hear things like, hey, you know, I helped a guy at the bowling alley a couple times a week and I fix his equipment for, not his kitchen equipment, just, stop, you know, he's a general helper of his buddy or he builds cars in, in, in his off time or, you know, I don't know, he helps at the church with building a new roof or if you start to pick up, pick up on the nuances of them personally, what you start to understand is there is a, person there that has a competency to want to solve a problem. Mm. If you can identify that competency, teaching them how to fix a fryer is something we can navigate to. All of us can, right? But you got to allow them to download with you a little bit more than just doing the interview. Of, well, tell me how, what kind of electrical equipment you can fix in your career. Well, you know, one of our most successful technicians in Chicago, um, he got hired like 20 years ago. Uh, and I remember when we, when we hired him because our, my service manager at the time did the interview and he came to me and he was just adamant we shouldn't hire this guy. And um, I met the guy for coffee not far from my house. And he was just telling me this story of, you know, he, he had all these jobs. He, was a, he had this local KFC franchise that he was a, a handyman for. And then he worked at a couple of golf courses. And then he was working at this hospital fixing their water filtration system. And, you know, he's telling me his life, right? And I'm like, this guy is going to be a great tech, not a good tech. He's a great tech. Because if you just hear his narrative, he has passion mm. for figuring out problems and solutions. And he's really good at talking to different customers, right? If you think, He's not mm -hmm. thinking of it that way, but I am. So you got to let them download with you a little bit. 
and be patient in the conversation to understand them, the person, as much as you are trying to understand them, the technician. Yeah, no, that's great. I'm going to issue a challenge number two then to our listeners, right? And our audience, you know, take a look at how you're conducting your interviews, right? And, and the questions that you're asking, are you focusing on highlighting their competency for solving problems? Is this something you're looking for? If not, you know, again, heed Gainer's advice and alter however you do these interviews to make sure that that's the in information that you're extracting. Because I tend to believe with you, right, or believe you that that um, people with uh, with a with a passion or desire to 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 solve a problem are going to be the most teachable because they, they just want to get to the answer, right? They just they just want to know how to do it. So that's, that's really great. Awesome. So then all this talk about, you know, A players, and, and I'm a firm believer that uh, A players don't have to have the skill set when you, the, the technical skill set, when you identify that they are A players. That's kind of evident in what you just said, Giener. You know, so how do we um, take somebody who's green right we on it with with regard to skills they have the character they have this competency to learn and how do we develop them into what we would call the typical a player where they hit those three skill sets that you mentioned at the beginning of the show skill uh competency soft skills and technology what is that what does that path look like yeah for me um like there's there's like two paths in parallel there one is start with putting them in less pressure scenarios to gain confidence. Mm -hmm. So things like PMs, small repairs on, you know, coffee makers, things where they're building their confidence over time. Right. And the parallel in parallel to that is pick a, what I'll call a specialty repair need in your business that you're trying to address where you're deficient right now. I don't know, ice machines, combi ovens, and just teach them that skill really, really well to start, right? Because that will add to their confidence. It will get them very good in an area you need for your business. But also, they'll develop comp broader competencies in learning something a little more specific to start, right? The approach of diagnosis becomes a little better. The approach of understanding electrical currents becomes a little better or steam, right? So don't try to solve the whole world with, with your new technician on day one right? PMs, get confidence, learn what you're doing first, give them maybe something a little more specialized as an aside, because so, you want to build the stronger competency and let a little bit of that natural evolution happen versus trying to say, I'm going to make you a generalist. I'm going to teach you all these skills in six months and you're going to be an A player. I think you set them up and yourselves up for disappointment when you do that. And you actually slow the, the rate of what he, that person can do for your organization by not just stepping back and saying, I have enough work I can give them that, by the way, will free up my more experienced technicians to go do the more experienced calls, right? I'll let him do the less experienced calls so he gains confidence and I'll train him on something a little more specific that I need for my business so he can gain confidence. Yeah, you know, that just sounds like good leadership, man, and just like protecting people that, that you care about. It reminds me of my daughter right now. She just made the... Uh, varsity team as a ninth grader on the basketball team and she's a really good shooter 
And um, so like I'm really working with her on continuing to develop that shooter skill set, like the catch and shoot, the triple fake. And that's all we're focusing on. Now, sometimes when she gets in the game, they, they'll steal the ball from her really quick and she can't handle it very well. But it's like, hey, let's focus on shooting the ball really, really well, because in basketball, you have to score. Um, but, you know, I wouldn't carry her to the YMCA, to the men's league and say, hey, get in the game. I'm going to put you in the paint. You need to work on your post moves today because that's just she probably never want to play basketball again if some sweaty 50 year old man banged her around. You know, <laughs> so but I, I understand in a palatable way what you're saying is put people in a spot where that they can win and they can get build some confidence and doing yeah. some core things. And then they're going to fall in love with the sport in general and want to get good at all of it. Right. And you look, look at the end of the day, if we're going to solve our, our broader kind of staffing of bringing techs in the industry, our greatest advocates are going to be the technicians themselves, right? So if we invest the time in the newer techs, do a really good job of onboarding them, do a really good job of training them, give them the confidence, build the culture in the industry and the visibility, those technicians will bring in more technicians into the industry, yes. right? It, it's a little bit of a virtuous cycle. Once you mm -hmm. start it, do it, right? In our, in our business, our largest, our largest recruiters are a tech base. They recruit 40% of all the technicians we hire at SmartCare. So getting technicians to bring in technicians is like vitally important. And the only way you're going to do that is make them very confident that this is a job they would refer a friend to come work at. Yep. Yeah. Same at Sam service, probably 50% for us. <laughs> Yeah, no, same here too. And if anyone's ever heard my talk on the people predicament, you know that I'm a big advocate for if you can make your company into something that your employees brag about, that is your your largest recruiting tool, not yep. just with the technicians, but with the office staff too, right? And 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 everybody involved in the organization. So uh, really happy that you said that. It just cements that uh, uh, I'm not completely uh, wrong. <laughs> well, so, you're, you're more right than anything there josh i've heard yeah. enough of your podcast i listen to them in my car quite often oh thanks keener yeah i appreciate that uh all right back on track all right you, you made me smile that's good <laughs> all right so so um how do we measure this progress i mean we're talking a lot about about you know developing these technicians and bringing them up on this path and onboarding over uh, a, a few months but how do we how do we tangibly measure the progress yeah, that one's a challenging question, right? Because I think, you know, for us, progress is all about retention, right? We want, you know, for, for smart care, it's how do we keep the techs we develop? Um, that's a focused goal for us going into 2023. I've kind of challenged our team to really drive retention. Um, the last couple of years coming out of the pandemic, it's all been about get more techs, get more techs, get more techs. And now it's, okay, now, yes, and we have to keep the ones we have right and we have to do a better job at that so um a little bit for me the measuring stick is retention um but i'd say the overall arching theme is you know a qualitative piece would be the conversation of i need more technicians when we go to conferences together and we talk about it if we can start to squash that conversation where we're not talking about it as much to me that means we're doing what we're supposed to be doing but if we're going to continue to talk about it qualitatively, it means we're not moving the needle enough, right? Because that's a way to measure it, right? If, if 10 companies are in a room and nine of them are still talking about needing more technicians, we still have the same problem. We haven't moved the needle enough, right? Yeah. 
So, um, I mean, that's kind of my answer to it. I, I think the other one is we have to push the visibility of the industry out. You need to, we all have, you know, this is great, by the way. I, I love what you guys are doing here, Josh. And, and I know I made you smile, but there's truth in that. I think we need advocates in the industry more outward to, mm -hmm. to, to help build the visibility. Um, I, I think we tend to be an industry of inward focus mm. a lot, and there's nothing wrong with that. It builds camaraderie. And I think there's a lot of good things that we do, but, you know, we have to be able to go outwardly to the industry and expose ourselves a little bit more in order to, you know, build that visibility to bring in talent, different talent into, into the organization. Yeah. Yeah. And to kind of kill a boogeyman too, I think a lot of our peers think of retention or losing a technician, they oftentimes immediately think, well, well, if I lose my tech at Sam service, he's going to smart care or he's going to windy city. That's, that's not the case. They're, they're going to be an electrician or they're going to be um, a controller somewhere, or, you know, they're being asked into a leadership position at a completely outside. So it's not, it's, it's not this thing that we, I think that there's a tendency to happen where it's like, well, I'm going to lose my tech to be doing the exact same thing. He is like, no, man, you got to retain good people um, to this industry. And we need exposure to show that it's um, viable and there's a, a, a pathway to success that far exceeds other industries if we're going to keep them. Yeah, I totally yeah. agree. No, absolutely. That goes back to, to Giener, the point that you made at the beginning of this episode that we're competing against now all the other trades and not only all the other trades, but to Nick's point, you know, uh, parallel industries and industries that aren't even associated with what, I mean, I've had guys leave to go do security systems. I've had guys mm -hmm. leave to go start gyms, you know, I mean, it's, it, it really is, it's making it more difficult, but I would argue that also makes us better. So, yeah, you know, um, as long as we keep having conversations mm -hmm. like this. So listen, I know uh, it doesn't feel like we've been talking for 35 minutes, but we have. I still got a couple of questions that I'm just super curious, and I know that uh, listeners would, would really appreciate. So um, I'm going to try to cherry pick just maybe two more, um, if that's all right with everybody. So I, I'm really curious to know, you know, we're, we're going to spend all this time and we're going to spend some money and we're going we're gonna to spend, you know, um, a lot of resources on developing our technicians, which is uh, largely justified, you know, and, and great for us in the industry. How do we know if someone has reached their developmental limit? Is mm -hmm. there a limit? How, how are we going to keep investing in them? Or is there an indicator that says, hey, this person's tapped out? Um, I have conviction that they're never tapped out because you can always continue to hone the skills that they want. Right. Because I do think there's a little bit of a do I want to do more? Right. Mm -hmm. And can they do more discussion to sure. you know, bridging what you just said um, for the ones that say I've decided that I want to live in the parameters of what I've decided I want to live in. I think you need to hone them to be better at what they do. Right. Because right. there's always an improvement factor um, for for those technicians. For the ones that are at their limit, not because they choose it, but because we've acknowledged they have one, I, I just, because there are those, right? They're just, this guy's Absolutely. just not, yeah. never going to be really good at refrigeration, right? I'm just like, I'm not taking a shot. It's, we, yeah. we all know that that exists. I think for those techs, it's how do we have a, like a really earnest discussion with them on what are they good at and how do we make them better at that then, 
right? So they could build value and confidence where they feel their strengths are. And, and I think for all of us, there's a challenge in that because we don't want to have those hard conversations because we feel like we'd be chasing them away potentially, right? And I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying like, sit down with the guy and just say, hey, look, do you really like this refrigeration work? Because you've had like two callbacks on it. And mm -hmm. you, you called me one day and you were screaming at the top of your lungs outside. No, I don't. Okay, what do you like? I, I like doing you know, fryers and ovens and keep me on the cooking side. And like, great. All right. So let's build a path for that. And that's what we'll have you do. I just think it's about having like really good conversations and building trust. And then the output of that is let me develop a path that's unique to that technician. But yes, I'd say whether that's self-choice or our, our observation at some point they do hit a limit. Yeah, absolutely. And so I'm going to issue the challenge number three to our listeners and our audience to, if you have identified that person in your organization, do not be afraid to have that hard conversation respectfully, you know, and, and face to face, but it, it will need to be had sooner or later, you know, um, because otherwise I think that we risk uh, putting the technicians in a position to get burned out. Right. Because then it just kind of creates a, an animosity or a resentment on, on one side or the other, or possibly both that, that doesn't get addressed. And, you know, we're talking a lot about retention and I think this is just one of the many pieces in that. So my humble uh, two cents on that. So I issue that challenge to the listeners, definitely identify that, you know, if it exists in your organization, confront it and uh, uh, with the objective of exactly what Giener just said. Uh, last question. All right. So, uh, <laughs> I'm curious, and I know that the listeners are too. What is one thing that we can do in our businesses right now to make the largest strides in developing our own technicians? Mm. Um, spend time in the field, really understanding what you're trying to fix. Right? Because as it's easy to become removed from, or have an observation of a problem that may or may not exist one or two steps above it. Like really, if you really think you have a problem with training so many new technicians, then, you know, you just hire, most of us have just hired a guy in the last couple of weeks, right? Go spend time with them and understand if that's really a problem, what the problem is and understand it. I'd say that the takeaway for me is don't assume the problem is what you think it is. Go mm -hmm. validate that the problem is what it is. And the way you do that is go spend time with the with the technicians and understand it and go solve the right problem. Yeah, and it's probably really very amazing. fulfilling and encouraging as well, I'm assuming. And from a PL standpoint, it's not gonna cost you anything. <laughs> You're paying yourself anyway. You know, why not heed <laughs> some advice and go hop in a truck and learn something new? I mean, that's really pointing out a, a really practical, obvious thing that the listeners might could do, you know, by the end of this week. Yep. It's a good work. Absolutely. Tangible steps. I love it. Challenge number four, if you will. So uh, of, of the people on this call, how often do you guys get in the field? I try to make it a point to get in the field a couple times a month. Um, hmm. It's planned. Sometimes it's, you know, I'm at, I happen to be at home in Chicago and I'll say where somebody's at and just go visit. <laughs> I'll do a, what I'll call a swing by visit. Um, I do uh, a couple of things for me unique. Um, I have town halls with our tech, our, our technicians twice a month. 
Um, I don't invite any of the managers in the organization to those. Um, it's me and the techs, period. Um, the second thing I do is I make it a point for myself. I have a personal goal of calling six to eight technicians a week and just checking in. It's a phone call. It's the most important thing of our business. So I do it. It's, you know, are they long conversations? Probably not. You know, they're sub 10, 10 15 minutes. Um, but it's meaningful. I learn things in those conversations, like real tangible business problems that we have that, you know, I take away as the business leader that I have to go figure out. Right. Um, and it's not calling out their manager, any of that, you know, look, do I have some of that? Sure. It's more, Hey, what am I learning about? Hey, the customers are buying these IOT things. And it's like, Oh, wow, that happened faster than we thought it was going to happen. And now because they're so close to it, you hear something different. Right. Um, so I would just say spend time in the field. It's, it's very valuable and you, you always get takeaways from it. I like it. Nick, how about you? How often do you get in the field? Not near as much as I need to. I'm sitting here pretty convicted right now. Um, I, I wrote down a couple to do's for myself to try to be a little bit more aggressive with it. I'm probably more like once every six months and, um, tricking myself into thinking I need to be solving some, some pretty hairy, grandiose issues that I, that I might have the solutions to right in front of my face. So it's good work. Yeah. Really great. Really great advice. All right. Well, listen, we're going to move to close, uh, close out this episode. I just, I mean, I couldn't even fit all the value on one piece of, piece of paper front and back. So yeah, I um, mine up too. <laughs> yeah, I hope everybody listened to this episode, got some value out of it. I hope that you, um, use it as a resource, go back, rewind, pause, listen carefully to a lot of the advice that, that Giener gave. It's, uh, it, it's really great and, and also tangible, something that we can all take away, implement in our own businesses as soon as possible and, uh, and be better for it. So that being said, uh, Nick, is there anything that you want to add? Yeah, I just want to ask Gina real quick. I know we got about three minutes. Um, if you were an animal, what animal would you be and why? Awesome. Uh, a polar bear. <laughs> nice. Why is that? Yeah. So I could tolerate all this cold I have to live in. Um... <laughs> I bet there's more depth to that answer if we dug in. We had more time. <laughs> That's good. Oh, wait a second. You can't get away with it. So what would your animal be? What's your spirit animal, Nick? You want to know what my spirit animal is? Yes, I do. I'm a rhinoceros. Oh, wow. Yep. And the reason why I'm a rhino is because I'm pretty chill most of the time, but everybody sees that big old horn and they know I can tear some shit up if I want to. <laughs> you also got armor plating. <laughs> oh, that's good. All right. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me, guys. This is great. Uh, I appreciate it. Um, good luck with the future podcasts. Uh, and, you know, like to any of the listeners, I'm very accessible. So feel free to reach out directly. If you have any questions, I'm, I'm always happy to talk and support the industry and our technicians to be successful. So thank you, guys. Thanks for coming on, Gainer. We really appreciate it. Appreciate you, brother.